Welcome to episode 12 of Always Listening. We're your hosts. I'm Josh. I'm Joel. And we are always listening. We've been listening even while we haven't been recording podcasts, Josh. I know I know. for our listeners, you might be thinking, hey, I thought we were getting episodes on Monday and Wednesday, or I thought we were getting episodes at least early on Wednesday. Uh, you're going to get it uh, eventually. And now that you're listening to this, you've gotten it. So there, don't be mad at us anymore. Technical difficulties have kept us from recording so far, Josh. But here we, here we go, Josh. We got two episodes back-to-back that we're recording tonight, and they'll all be out this week as Listener Appreciation Month continues. Woo-woo! All right, so tonight, and we don't have an intro for this episode, I'm afraid, from our listener that submitted the uh, review request. Raul is uh, the one who sent this one in quite a while ago. As a matter of fact, it was not too long after last year's Listener Appreciation Month. But you've been wanting us to talk about a tech show for a while, Josh. No, I haven't. (laughs) Well, you've felt like we should talk about a tech show. Yes, I felt like I felt like my disdain for all things technical has shorted our listeners on a uh, tech podcast. So I'm glad we finally got to one. The tech industry, the technology industry, you know, computers, smartphones, tablets, gizmos and gadgets, that sort of stuff. Those kinds of podcasts are maybe the biggest single segment of the podcasting industry, just because those people were the ones who knew how to make a podcast before everybody else, I think, right? Yeah, well, and it's also, dude, it's surprising how fast things change in that industry. Weekly. I mean, it, you know, especially if you just follow one company like me, I'm, and people that listen to this podcast know I'm a big Apple fan. If you just follow Apple, it's easy to think, oh, well, you know, there's only, you know, seven new things that came out this year. But if you follow Samsung or if you follow, you know, the Windows PC uh, market or if you follow um, any of the more consumer focused gadgets, there's a new thing to talk about every single week. And that's what this show that we're going to talk about today does so well. It covers literally everything. Before we get into deep, do you want to cover the stats on this show? Absolutely. Since Raul didn't send in his intro, I'll get to that. So we're going to be talking about the Verge cast on this episode. The Verge cast comes from theverge.com. I'm going to tell you a little bit more about them in just a minute. But your host, your primary host is Neelay Patel. He is the, I believe he's the editor-in-chief of The Verge. And he has guests on, regular guests like Dieter Bonn, who is another editor for The Verge, but also actual correspondents. Joanna Stern, Nicola Fumo, a couple of names that I remember from the episodes that I hear, but they have tons of guests on this show to fill out the, you know, the panel. The length of the episodes, there are a few shorter episodes, but generally the show is just over an hour. It feels like they shoot for an hour and they don't mind the excess. Sort of like our old podcast used to be, Josh, our comedy podcast. We'd try to be about an hour and if we were at 45 minutes or, you know, 50 minutes or if we were at an hour 15, either one was fine. No editing, just post that stuff on on the internet. <laughs> yep. And it's a weekly show as well. So uh, as we said, with the new information, with the new gadgets, with the new news stories that come out every week, these guys are right there on top of it. So let's get into how we break the show down specifically. Every time we talk about a podcast here, we listen to at least three or four episodes each, sometimes more, but at least three or four. And then we break the show down by talking about host likability, production values, audio quality, content. And then we give you some don't miss moments too and tell you whether we're going to keep listening or not. Let's start with host likability. Neelay is at the center of this thing. What did you think about him, Josh, especially coming from outside the tech world? Okay, so I don't know if this is a mistake or not. I don't think this is the right way to listen to this show because once you go far enough back, the content becomes irrelevant, really. But I started listening before the hundreds. 
Oh, wow. Yeah, you did go back. Because I, I tend to like to see how a show evolves. That's part of the fun of listening to podcasts. And that's part of the fun of following a show or discovering a show is kind of getting into it. And so, for example, episode 98 was was one of the ones that I listened to. And already I had a, a disdain for tech shows just because I'm not technically savvy. I'm uncomfortable with some of the language used into it because it's used in them because it's generally over my head or I just don't understand it. But I was determined to give the Verge cast the best shot I possibly could. And episode 98 had a pretty good feel about it. It's very conversational. And the hosts on 98 really reminded me of Fantasy Football Focus. Hmm. So whoever the lead host was on 98, and the hosts do change. So on 98, it really felt like, oh, who's the head host of... um, Matthew Barry or Nate Rabbit? Matthew Barry in particular. It really felt like Matthew Barry and Nate Rabbit's having a conversation. And and that made me feel comfortable. It was a very comfortable feel. I liked that. I liked that hosting group. And then in some of the newer episodes, it has a much younger feel to it. I don't know why that is, but I didn't like that mix as well. So for me, when it comes to host likability, based on the mix, it's very hit or miss. So here's where I stand. I read a lot of Neelay Patel before and after he joined or started, I should say, The Verge. He was one of the very first people when this website came together. So there's a guy named Joshua Topolsky who was writing for Engadget and that's uh, or was at least owned by AOL. I don't know if they still are. Neelay was one of the other writers there and as was, I think, Dieter Bonn. And all of those people and, and several others, I believe, left uh, in Gadget all at the same time as AOL had been making some big changes after they bought that website. And at first, they were on a, a site called This Is My Next. This is my next.com was what it was. And effectively, it was clear that that was just a placeholder. What that became was The Verge. And Neelay actually went away from The Verge for a little while and came back after Joshua Topolsky left as editor in chief. Joshua went on to um, work for Bloomberg, I think. I believe he's still there, but I'm not positive. Anyway, all of this behind-the-scenes drama was something that I was very much caught up in. I am a tech news follower, sort of a junkie, you might say, and I, I love all of that stuff. So I was very much into it. I appreciated what they were trying to do with the new website. The way they cover the tech news is is very different than a lot of the people that came before them. It's been copied pretty widely um, since they launched it, and it's been launched for uh, several years now. But anyway, I was a big fan. I was not a huge fan of Neelay in particular. I, he and I don't agree that much on technology, or, or at least I'll say maybe we agree more often than I think, but he is more anti-Apple than I am. And so occasionally that sort of rubs me the wrong way. Uh, funny, funny, funny. I've got a great clip about what you're talking about. I don't agree, or I didn't get the feeling that you have. Oh really? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Do you want to do you want to put that in here? No, no. Let's, okay, uh, we'll we'll save that one. All right, but we, you'll you'll get that in a minute. But I really like, even though I didn't love him on in writing, I really enjoy him on the show. Uh, I think he's funny. I think he's a good host, even when they have the large groups. I wish that he wouldn't have groups quite so large as they often have on the Verge cast here. But yeah, it gets muddy. Yeah, it does. It does. Uh, but he seems like he's fun to work with. 
fun to work for as he's the editor in chief there. So a lot of these people are actually like his employees as opposed to his coworkers. I think, I think he's a good guy to put at the center of a podcast. I think he does a really good job. So I think the host likability is pretty high, especially with him there. Dieter Bonn, who is a guest frequently, but he also has sat in as the host on at least one of the episodes that I listened to. I think he does a, a serviceable job as well. Truthfully, I liked a lot of the people that were on this show, guests and hosts alike. I, I think they're a pretty well-spoken and generally likable group of folks. Yeah, but if you with the if the mix is right, or I guess if the mix isn't right, it's really easy for this show to go off the rails. Oh my goodness, that is true. That is very, very true. They do like tangents. They like sidebars, except the sidebars are right in the middle of the conversation. And as we pointed out, occasionally they'll have a just a huge group of people. You know, there'll be eight people in the room or something, plus somebody on Skype. And what happens is you actually get, and I can't believe they leave this in the show. Well, I mean, I can believe they do it, but I, I wish they didn't. You get side conversations occasionally you know like two people will yeah. be will be yeah. talking about something else while the main conversation is going on I'm like don't put that in your podcast please yeah well where you were probably preconditioned to either like or not like the host because you had some sort of background or foundation in the verge i had none of that other than tech shows are intimidating to me so yeah some some episodes strictly based on the host mix I enjoyed more than others for, for nothing else because the content is pretty, pretty much the same throughout. Let's talk about how they put the show together, though. Let's go to production values. And I've got a clip here, Josh, that I want to insert. Now, this is not the only example of this, but it's a very good one. This show does the best job of what you and I have been talking about, I think, which is sound effects to signify different segments. Okay, And they don't do it through the whole show, but for one thing in particular, they do it, and it's wonderful. The segment, the sound effect is perfect. The segment works really well. I, I love it. This comes from episode 175, and it's the intro to their advertising for the show. It's about 27 and 27 minutes in, 2750. Listen to this. This is awesome. All right, let's move on to that. Softlayer. Oh, my God, we're doing this already? Delivers a cloud. It's been for 30. Form. Okay, go ahead. Your business applications and computational workloads are unique, so you deserve cloud resources that meet your specific So I love that. I love the I love the fact that they that it's got a cash sound effect in there. Like it's not the only sound is money jingling, but money jingling is part of it. You know, Gimlet Media, for instance, and we've talked about this in the past, how they have the specific music that plays during every advertisement. And all of the advertisements have that same music behind it, so it's very recognizable. Yes. This is an example of a similar thing. They are making it very clear what's what's going on there. If you're the kind of person who is prone to sort of forgetting what you're doing or not paying full attention to the podcast the whole time you're listening, you won't accidentally think, oh, well, they're just endorsing whatever. No, you'll know they're getting money to do this and to talk about this specific thing. And you'll know that because you hear them run the change down, you know, like I, I love it. I think it's perfect. I think it's a little tongue in cheek. It's a little humorous, but it's a pleasant sound effect too. So all of those things go together. This was one good example of, of how they nail the production values. Right. But you, you really like those types of things. So like, I think that you like on my brother, my brother and me, the money zone. I, first of all, I like the fact that they call it the money zone. I like the fact that they always make a joke segueing into it where they're like, like they're talking about somebody that's poor and they're like, you know, I'm feeling pretty poor these days, but that's okay. Cause we're about to go to the money zone. And then they play the music 
and there they are doing their advertisements. Yeah, or like or like Smodco does the like Kevin Smith always starts out with. I hate to do this, but somebody's got to pay the bills around here. Yeah, yeah. Anytime you acknowledge, hey, look, it's a weird thing. You know, like it is a it is a strange thing to make that advertisement such a native part of your podcast. I get that. We've talked about it before, even on our show. It's a little weird to people that our show starts with a radio ad now, effectively. Like you get a, a pre-produced commercial before you get our podcast. I, I think it helps us and the business of podcasting in general that we're trying all of these different ways to do it. And I also like and respect when someone can try to acknowledge it in a in a fun and frank way. And so they, I think they do a good job of that. It's not the only thing they do well as far as production values go, but that's a great example. All right, right on. What about uh, what about audio quality, Josh? I would say it's really good, except for when they bring on too many people. I disagree. I, I th- yes, I think it's I think it's generally recorded well. What's not even? No, it's not even. So my problem isn't that issue. My problem is that so some people are skyping in every time. And some people are not. They're in the room. And the people that are in the room are recorded at a certain quality and level, which is good. And the person who is Skyping in is recorded at a good quality level for a Skype call or whatever they're using for that. The issue I have is that they just go back and forth so much because everybody's part of the conversation that it becomes a noticeable thing. And for me, if they're all recorded at the same level, even if it's a, a poor quality, then it's no longer noticeable. And, and, and that poor quality to me, isn't a big issue. Generally speaking in the past, like it has never really been an issue for me, but whenever a podcast does it often enough, which is almost every time the third person talks, then it becomes noticeable. And for me, that's when audio quality becomes an issue. Even though both of those are recorded at a, at a solid level, they're, not, they're still not the same. You know what? I'll agree with that. I am not, I mean, you, everybody, I think everybody knows my opinion on, you know, phone calls in podcasts and the Skype calls are not drastically different. I know I say that a little ironically as you and I are currently doing right, a right, voiceover IP call. I know, call. I know, I know. And mine's, and mine's terrible. I've listened to it twice with a mic that I'm using. So I'm trying not to get overexcited or talk over you. <laughs> but the only issue is, is sometimes I have to talk over you because if I give you two sentences to comment on my opinion and I I don't get the opportunity to talk over you. Those two sentences is turn into two hundred. <laughs> yeah, I do have a, a tendency to dominate the mic. Not yeah, my- so unless I speak louder to talk over you, that's what generally happens. It's 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 not my fault. I'm I'm talkative. That's why I'm a podcaster. Yeah, that I my note here is literally I sort of hate the Skype calls. It, it, it seems to me that they don't have problems finding people to record in person. I really don't understand why. They want to do the Skype as well. Like for you or me, we're in the middle of nowheresville, Louisiana. And if I want to do an interview show, particularly if I want to talk about technology, it's going to require me to connect to people over the internet probably. But these guys are in a professional studio. They are. No, it's not. No, it's not. So don't do, dude, dude, you cannot be, you cannot be so naive that you think somebody running the verge, which is essentially a website is going to have an office with all of their contributors in it. Like that doesn't happen anymore. 
So if they want to get comments from their contributors who aren't even going to live in the same city or same coast, they have to do those Skype calls. No, but like I you can't hold that against. Them. I don't. I don't think that. I don't think that is true though. For for the Verge in particular, I think like when they have the hype. It's a hundred. It's a hundred percent true. Like in episode ninety nine, or it may have been in the one seventies. Like. There was one of their contributors from The Verge, San Francisco, right? West Coast contributor. So yeah, I think the reason that they are doing those Skype calls is is because those contributors, those voices don't work in the central office. Okay, fair enough. But but still, like you gotta they gotta record it better, they gotta edit it together better. There's something they can do there. Like, and this is an organization, this is an organization large enough to have the money and the time to do that, I think. Well, the, pro- the problem is, is like, so th- the big issue with phone calls that you have that I don't have is because in general, phone calls, phone interviews on a podcast generally don't start and end the podcast. Like it's not the entire length. It's only a segment or a portion of that podcast. But in this case, in this situation, it runs from beginning to end. You know what, Josh? That's a really good point. As a matter of fact, I have begun listening to another show we're going to review here in a couple of weeks. We're going to be talking about The Thinking Atheist, which, by the way, is a blog talk radio show like ours is. And And that show is recorded through, I believe it is anyway, it sounds like it is, through the old blog talk radio setup where you call into the switchboard and then you can take phone calls as well. And they do take phone calls on that show. And so the whole thing sounds at that same quality. You know, the main host and his guest and any of the callers that he takes, and they're all about the same. They all have that sort of, you know, I don't know what the word is. It's a little crunchy. You know, I guess that's the way that it feels to me. Right, but the, but the thing is, is, since they're both at that level, it's not as noticeable. You just accept it that that's the way this podcast is going to go audio-wise to where it's different for the Verge, Verge podcast because there's – that different level of qualities bouncing back and forth throughout the whole whole show audioly. Absolutely. And so the and the same thing would go for big volume changes from guest to guest. That's not a problem necessarily with this one, but the it is something that we've heard on other shows where one host or the other is not you know leveled appropriately. And either one of those levels would probably work. But when you're literally having to grab your volume control during one podcast and turn it up or down, yeah. that is a fail. Yeah. That is a huge fail. So for all the listeners out there, all uh, that that wanted us to have more in-depth discussion based on the audio portion of our podcast, don't think that the irony isn't lost on us that <laughs> we're having to do it through the Ringer app and our audio isn't where we want it to be. To the three of you out there that have been craving that, uh, there you go. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. All right, so let's move on to content. And Dude, I, I really do think that is the longest we've talked about audio quality. It was, it was a pretty in-depth discussion. There's no doubt about that. Let's, let's talk about the, the content of this podcast. You, you sort of covered it already. The content is is maybe as uniform in this show as any podcast we've reviewed as far as what they do week to week. What they do is a fairly quick, lighthearted, I would almost say humorous at times, take on pretty much everything in technology. I think it's entertaining, even when they're picking on my stuff, so to speak. You know, when they're when they're sort of picking or poking at Apple, I still enjoyed the show. Sometimes they have issues with it, like with Apple Maps, right? Yes. So this clip that I'm about to play is coming from a pre-100 episode 
And early in the episode, they can't really figure out why Samsung is selling so many phones or why people keep going back to Samsung because they really don't feel that the quality of the product or the components used are, are at the same level as Apple, right? And then later in the episode, and you're going to hear both of these, you know, they do take issue with how Apple says that they're 100% concerned about the their user, right? The end result for the user. But if they were, they wouldn't put out Apple Maps. So you're about to hear that right now. It's big screens and a lot of advertising. Yeah, and they, I think I mean, that the mar- their marketing screen. has gotten way better. Like, yeah. way, if you go back and look at Samsung marketing from a few years ago, it was cringeworthy some of it. And now it's like they've definitely figured some things out. They figured out how to make an emotional connection. But their products are also like clearly people are like buying them and then coming back for more. So they're not. They are doing some things right, even though we look at TouchWiz and we're like, God, this. Is, like, I was just looking at the note and it's like ugly. It's yeah. not well designed. But clearly there are Love things that plastic about- back though. It's great. No, no, no. I mean, the hardware is whatever. I mean, it's fine. By the way, you went from I got to have this to it's kind of badly designed in like eight No, seconds. no, no, no. The software. I'm talking yeah. about the software. Oh, yeah. Okay. What they do to Android, I think. But somehow, I think that they're tapping into something that I, that I don't understand. I think it's the same thing that Apple tapped into with the stitched leather and the, the note thing. It's like they're doing some weird thing that like regular human beings are like, I like this. And yeah. I, I don't. <laughs> Apple clearly has no reason no incentive to continue to rely on google search for anything and they've basically gotten rid of it everywhere they can uh and, and well, they haven't switched to bing as the default on the iphone yet it, i think it's it on siri right i think it's, it's on siri doesn't bing yeah. default doesn't it doesn't just default. siri it, it, it gives you an option though yeah there's an option but so yeah, it, it doesn't but it, it well. defaults to go to google yeah yeah i mean i think but you know you could see if the next generation probably won't default to I don't know. I, I think if you're Apple and you, you say you care about the user experience yeah. as much as they say they care about the user experience, you know that Bing is not as good as Oh, it. really? Apple Maps. Right. It was the wow. worst user experience. Broken user experience. It continues to be broken. Continues to be broken. There definitely was a way to c- continue. I guarantee you there was a way to continue using Google Maps on the iPhone. They made a business decision right. that was user aggressive. It well, was like I mean, we don't care as much about our users as we do about screen. No, Google. we gave Apple a lot of for maps, but like, and it's still the bad. other part of it was that I literally somebody was meeting me oh, somewhere recently, and they're like, I was told to go in a completely wrong direction down the wrong streets. Right, and was like on the other no, side I, of town. No, I, I, no. I won't use Apple Maps, but yeah. like, um, I don't know anybody uses it. I see, I see but, car drivers and taxi drivers in our city. But the negotiations that you know leaked out were all like. Google demanded that they they allow latitude check ins. Like right. Google made whatever demands it made too. I guarantee you there is a way. Right. And it was it was the two companies working together, which they refused to do. Right. All right. So right there you heard them say that it has to be the large screen. Like there's no other reason consumers would choose a Samsung phone over an Apple phone. <laughs> that that has to be one of the selling points and, they're, and they they think that it's some kind of marketing thing that they've just tapped into in the consumer consciousness that's that's keeping people coming back for it and then they also do call apple out for some of the things that they don't agree with so i found that like one of the things that i really liked about the show is that it i, I didn't really feel a bias one way or the other and i think with most tech shows you have that bias built in like like that that tech show is niche for that thing yes and i like that this show was 
covered everything. I mean, and, and so they talk about Apple, Samsung. They talk about video games. They talk about PS4 versus Xbox. They talk about vapor risers. Like they literally talk about everything tech wise, which was great. They, they, um, you know, they get the female perspective, especially when it comes to design that I thought was interesting. I thought, man, that's something that my wife would probably find value in. Yes, absolutely. As a matter of fact, I've got I've got a clip coming up in our Don't Miss Moments that features uh, some of those female voices that you mentioned. Uh, right here, though, I'm going to give you this one. And this one supports my idea that it's a sort of a humorous take on the technology news. This is from episode 170. It's uh, right at the very beginning, minute 17 to about a minute 50. Check this out. I think it'll give you a good taste of what the show is like. Uh, okay, so uh, we are going to talk about Apple. Yeah. I think so. You just got back precisely and nothing from else. San Francisco, yes. where you were at the Apple event, saw yes. everything. Um, what was the most exciting thing that you saw? Are you just going to yeah, just, just jump right in? Most yeah, exciting no, thing. Number one, like what was your number one out of the event? Uh, my number one out of the event because there was a ton of stuff. Is probably Eddie Q's wardrobe <laughs> change. He switched into the shirt that was just. Uh, Casey, back me up here. It was great. It was incredible, and it was one of the few things that Mark Herman had not reported in advance. <laughs> <laughs> All right, and to see, that's that's what I, I, yeah, I really enjoyed it. I enjoyed the way that they discuss these things and the fact that I enjoy the technology that they're discussing, or at least most of it. It really made this an enjoyable review for me, absolutely. What I what I found was the newer the episode is, the less comfortable I am with it. And the older it was, which is going to be contradictory to having archivability or a long tail to the podcast, was that the further away, so anything over a year, I was pretty comfortable listening to because most of the things they're talking about, I am familiar with. <laughs> the newer episodes, some of the things they're talking about, I don't have a clue. I just don't. And so it made me, I, was, uh, I wasn't very comfortable listening to, to those episodes because to me it felt like, so we talk about getting to know a show and getting to know the inside jokes. And this podcast definitely has that element, but it also has the added element to where there are these inside kind of cultural jokes that anybody in the tech, that most people in the tech industry or people who are keeping keeping up to date on these types of things are going to get, are going to understand innately because those are cultural jokes that I'm not familiar with. Yes. Yeah, so, that's fair. So I'm going to play a clip right here that is going to kind of to give you that kind of kind of show you both sides of of that coin all right yeah but at 1500 bucks you should not buy the 21.5 for the at the 1500 bucks because it comes with a i, I think it's a 5400 spinning platter hard drive Ooh, what? which no brutal you do not want that at all you like do whatever you have to spend to get up to whatever the base fusion drive is which, yeah which do you know what a fusion drive is mm -hmm. do, you, do you care are you interested Tell me, why not? Yeah, learn it, something. So you know how your your computer is faster because it has a, a SSD, a solid state drive. It doesn't have a hard drive that like spins around and makes noise. Okay, yeah, yeah there's no more noises. Right. So <laughs> you can. Take, I can't tell who's patronizing who in this conversation. <laughs> you can take a hard drive and make it half spinny, noisy, and half like solid, and it, then it, you get both. Yeah. For why? Uh, so that you get the speed of the, the SSD. SSD. No, the, 
The speed of the, 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 the non spinny. The, the oh and you get the storage and the cheapness of the spinny. Oh. So you get more storage for less money. But seriously, historians for years are going to be trying to figure out who's trolling who. In this conversation. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So right, right there shows a good example of those guys having good chemistry and kind of joking with each other and like, you know, having kind of that uh, Midwestern passive aggressive kind of trolling nature to it. But the tech piece of that, I completely didn't get at all. Like the hard drive that makes a noise, the one that doesn't, the spinny thing, hold out for the, oh, I can't remember what it was, the Phantom or whatever it is, like pay that higher price for that. I completely don't get it all. <laughs> all right, let's let's move on to our our don't miss moments here because this is uh, another one that you actually sort of referenced earlier. You talked about the fact that they cover all sorts of things in technology, uh, even all the way down to uh, vaporizers. Uh, whether you're uh, using tobacco or maybe something more organic, perhaps, but yeah, which, uh, whatever which it I might thought, be, which, dude. To me, that was a weird tone to take. Because most of the ones I listened to obviously were like like from like two years ago even or three years ago when when these things weren't really around. Yes. So listening to that, it's kind of like, huh, they really do cover everything. Yeah. So the episode in, in question is uh, episode 175. It's called The Coterie of Vapes. And uh, the, here is um, a little clip where they're talking about what his well i'm gonna let them describe it and then we'll talk about it afterwards hang on here you go and then the the packs that i think which is their main product Mm -hmm. is basically like the imac of weed vapes yeah right Right. yeah it's like cylindrical and aluminum Mm -hmm. the thing is that they're really my friends call it a weed computer yeah uh i'm gonna tell the story we were we were away we were on a trip and like literally we all the people would be like on the trip be like yo let me hit that computer because everyone calls it a weed computer it's not a good story. I just like the no. fact that all my friends are like, let me hit that computer. I love, I love that they call it a weed computer. That's amazing. Like I would never, like that doesn't tickle my fancy at all. Oh, I see. I, th- I thought it was hilarious. And I, I'll, like, I think it's funny too, the fact that they sort of openly in that episode discuss the fact, and I think, I can't remember now who, but one of the panelists sort of stays away from the subject a little bit, always being like, I don't know what you guys are talking about. I never do any of that. But the rest of them are like very clearly, we think it's ridiculous that these things are marketed as if you're only using them for tobacco. Nobody's using these things for tobacco. You're all getting high with these, you know? Anyway, I think that's pretty cool. Uh, I thought it was a, a very funny episode. Do you have yeah, any but, don't right, miss moments? So, so, so for me, like, the reason that didn't tickle my fancy is because it's like they're taking something that's kind of countercultural culture already and borrowing, borrowing from that and then putting it into a very geeky, nerdy niche, which is in itself its own type of counterculture. So uh, it's not like the cross mojinization of that. I gotcha. That's fair enough. That's fair enough. Uh, do you have any don't miss moments for us, Josh? Um, no, I think the, the clip that I played earlier showing uh, kind of the inside joke of the inside joke would be something that, that while I didn't get half of it, I did enjoy. Okay, uh, that's fair enough. Uh, here's another one then from me. 
And I mentioned earlier, we both did actually, talking about the number of female voices that this show brings, which is impressive, by the way, since it's, you know, male hosted and sort of male anchored. Generally, I mean, I, and, and our show is a, an example. We both want to hear more female voices in podcasting, and yet we don't bring on a female guest, for instance. We don't bring on guests at all. But anyway, this show does. They do a good job of balancing the voices and bringing on, uh, you know, diversity. One example of that comes from the episode called The Hype Council. The, the Hype Council is Kirsten Frizzini, Frizzina, uh, Lauren Grush, and Caitlin Tiffany. All right. Three, and I believe these are like the social media managers for The Verge. I think one of them runs the Instagram and the Facebook or something. One of them runs the Twitter, that kind of thing, or the Tumblr. These are all fairly young women. And at first, when they started talking to them in the episode, I was a little worried. I was like, oh, I don't know anything about what these women like. Like one of them references how much she loves One Direction and that's all she listens to, for instance. Uh, anyway, there were several different like cultural references and stuff that I'm sort of like, oh, I am so out of tune with these girls. But by the end of the episode, they had totally won me over, even though they did the thing that we talked about earlier, too, where they're having a side conversation while the show itself is going on, which is very distracting. But... This clip is a great one, and I think it, it gives you a good taste of what the Hype Council in particular brings to the podcast, which can be a little bit of chaos and a little bit of good stuff, too. What's up? hey what's, what's the hype situation like? The Hype Council is like 11 out of 10 on the hype scale. Hype Council is in session. Oh, my God. <laughs> what are we doing? Uh, this is this is is this the most people we've ever had on the show? No, remember one time we had the entire staff, okay. like in the in, right when we launched the yeah. Verchcast, we like tried to. Have, and Chris, I remember Chris Sigler was, he was so mad at me because it was such an emotionally and like energetically draining experience to like have five microphones and twelve people, and we were, yeah, it was bad. All right. So that's a, a, a pretty wide uh, survey of the Vergecast. You can find more for yourself at theverge.com. Josh, are you going to keep listening to this show? No, not because not, <laughs> not because it's not a a solid, valuable tech show. It's like I'm not I'm not learned enough to continue listening. Well, and more importantly, you don't want to be like this is not an area that you want to know about, really. No, man, this stuff stresses me out. Yeah, yeah. I am probably not going to continue listening to the Vergecast either. And it's not because it's not a good show. And it's not because I'm in, not interested in tech. I just already have enough tech shows on my docket. Yeah, but I was really hoping I this would replace this. one of yours. Because I feel like all uh, the tech shows on your docket are pretty similar. Yeah, well, many of them are, they're heavily pro Apple. There's no doubt right. about that. Although I think, I think all of the podcasts that I, all of the tech shows that I listen to, are from people who have traditionally been Apple fans and Apple supporters, but they are most verbal for the places where they disagree with the company or where they wish they would head in a different direction. So I feel like I'm getting a balance there anyway, even though they're generally Apple users. I don't agree with you, and I feel like this show would make you a, 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 a more well-rounded and tolerable techie. You're probably right. You're probably right. And while I don't think I'm going to add the Vergecast into my rep, uh, repertoire, I will say, and, and this is going to have to wait until after November and after Listener Appreciation Month is over, but there was a show that was mentioned in this show and linked, and I downloaded a couple of episodes I'm going to get to eventually. It's called Control Walt Delete, featuring <laughs> Neely Patel. Yeah, right. Uh, Neely Patel and Walt Mossberg. <laughs> 
who is uh, sort of the elder statesman of tech journalists. Walt Mossberg has been around for a long time. He's a very respected uh, tech writer, and he's somebody that I really like a lot. And he's not rabidly pro-Apple. He likes Apple products, but he likes lots of tech products from lots of different companies. And um, I, I've heard... Walt and Neele in interviews together before, and I think they've got a good, you know, a good chemistry going. So I'm imagining that show could be really, really interesting. I think I'm definitely going to uh, try to get some of that in eventually. So there is our review of The Verge cast. Again, you can find it at TheVerge.com. Thank you to Raul for suggesting it, uh, wherever you may be, Raul. Hope you heard this one and hope you enjoyed our review. Josh, if you don't have anything else to add on that one, it's time to get to listener feedback. Ooh. So this comes from Kelly Ann on our Facebook group. And by the way, if you don't know, we have a Facebook group. You can go to Facebook and search for Always Listening. Uh, you have to get approved to join the group, but that's just so I can keep out the Ray-Ban spammers. Um, feel free to send me a request and I'll put you in as soon as I can, I promise. I feel like Kelly, I feel like Kelly Ann is pretty active. And I also feel like that you need to stop saying Ray-Ban and switch it up to something else. Ray-Ban's the only thing that I ever see, though. I'm a member of so many... You See, you're not even on Facebook, so you don't see this. But I'm a member of so many Facebook groups, and every single one of them, at least a couple of times a week, there will be someone who creates a fake profile and posts into that group just selling Ray-Bans. Like, I don't understand. Is there Are there really people jumping on this? I don't understand that tactic. Like, from, of all the ways to spam, from hearing, that's a terrible From one. hearing Rachel talk about her spam issues, is uh, it's always makeup. So I'm pretty sure that's probably tied to maybe something you've searched for in the past. Maybe so. That's a good call. I, I, didn't, I didn't realize. I've never seen makeup spammers, but that's interesting. That's like all okay, Rachel so gets. this... Uh, Kelly is very uh, active, by the way, in the group, and we appreciate her. She posted a, a query uh, a couple of days ago. She says, okay, group, I need a good podcatcher for Windows Phone. Here, here you and I are, uh, Josh, talking about Android and, and iPhone, uh, and she's over in the other camp, Windows Phone. Hey, she th- says, I'll tell you, my beloved. The, the Vergecast actually does a pretty good review of some Windows Phones. There's some really good yeah. devices out there. Like I've even been tempted, I'm not to switch necessarily, but I, I would like to check out some of these new Windows devices. The the Lumia models in particular were doing some really interesting things. All right. So she says, my beloved iPod is dying, and I would love to finally break free of the Apple ecosystem altogether. Oh, she's, she's won my heart. Mark? I know, right? I've, I knew you would enjoy that. So, And we've got several good suggestions here. Uh, Troy p- chimes in and he says, I think Pocket Casts is your best choice for a full-featured uh, catcher. And uh, there are a couple of likes on that one. Jonathan Oaks suggests if you want to go with free, he discovered Podcast Addict after seeing that some of his listeners were using it. I use it. He gave it a try. I, I use it as well. And here's the uh, – so obviously I almost – exclusively use Stitcher, but here's what I really do like about Podcast Addict that is not the same for Stitcher. It's Podcast Addict actually pulls uh, and from or searches from, and I could be completely wrong on how they do it, um, from an iTunes roster. And st- oh, so it accesses the directory, the iTunes yes, directory. Yes, so, and Stitcher doesn't. So some of these podcasts that we're reviewing – uh, I cannot find on Stitcher, so I have to go to Podcast Addict to be able to pull it. And and someone else mentions that they've got a ton of, of uh, podcasts in, in Podcast Addict as well. Yeah. So I asked her about the native app on Windows Phone. Um, I, I know that they have a sort of a built-in solution. Microsoft made a podcast app. 
Uh, I've heard for a long time that it's there and that it's reasonable, but I don't, I don't have any Windows devices other than, you know, a desktop computer, which doesn't have that podcast app. So I've never been able to try it. I asked her, how is it, first of all? And then is always listening available in that built-in app as well? And she says, uh, the native app is mediocre. Her biggest complaint is lack of content. Always listening is one of the podcasts that she couldn't access in the built-in Microsoft app. So there you go. She says, no real features. Feeds didn't refresh automatically. In general, it wasn't a great experience. So she finally finds one, though. She says she is going with Podcast Lounge is the name of the app that she's chosen. She says it's got a huge collection, includes always listening, uh, and she can make different playlists, like for commute, for exercise, etc., there is a free version, which she's using now. The paid version is like $2.99. Searching was very easy. You can also add podcasts by adding a URL, importing your, your whole list of feeds. If you move from one app to, to this one, you can import all of your feeds at once or from a bunch of other tech-sounding acronyms that I didn't recognize. So th- there you go. Uh, Kelly Ann's suggestion is Podcast Lounge for Windows Phone users. Thank you. I am... I am pretty hopeful that I will in the future not have that issue. <laughs> yeah. Oh, of having to use a Windows phone or having to find a new app? Uh, no, that I will have to find a new app because Android and Google are about to come out with their own uh, built-in kind of podcast catcher. That's very true. And now here's an interesting thing, though. You just referenced the fact that, you know, a lot of podcasters that are in the iTunes directory are not in Stitcher. And one of the reasons for that is Stitcher has, first of all, you have to submit your show directly to Stitcher, and then they take the audio and host it on their own servers. They repurpose the audio and and put it out through their own machines. They don't just directly connect your feed to the people who subscribe to you. Google is going to do the same thing. When we submit our show, and we've actually already submitted Always Listening to the Google Play Store, it's not there yet. They're not doing podcasts yet. And when they do, at first, it will only be in the U.S. for our international listeners. But if you haven't heard this news, eventually, yes, Android users and even iOS users, is my understanding, the Google Play Store is eventually going to have this podcast app available on um, iPhone is the way they said it in their announcement. But but it's going to start on Android. Um, they're going to have their own podcast section in the Google Play Store. I think it's great. I think it's wonderful. I think for listeners like you who are you know, devotedly Android for one reason or another, I think it's going to be um, a big boon. I'm a little worried that because of the terms of service, like Stitcher, there will be a handful of podcasters that decide they don't want to opt in. And so they it will still be sort of a fragmentation of, where you have to go to get okay, those, so let me ask those you this. shows. Let me ask you this. You had to submit our show to iTunes. Mm. I did, yes. Okay, then what's the issue? Okay, so the, the issue is this. iTunes doesn't do anything with our show other than list it in their directory. The audio from people who subscribe in iTunes or from the podcast app on iPhone comes directly from our servers Direct, it's the exact same audio that I upload to our host provider, Blog Talk Radio. Whereas on Stitcher, what happens is the, the company themselves, Stitcher, reaches out to our RSS feed. They access the audio of, of every episode that we put up. They download that audio and then repurpose it. They, they recode it, uh, re-encode it, I should say. So it's actually a different bit rate than what we put up. 
That's why it sounds different on Stitcher than it does anywhere else. They also, though, put ads around it that we don't have anything to do with. So while our show starts and ends occasionally with a radio ad, if you're listening on Stitcher, there will be other advertisements that we're not getting anything from and won't okay, ever for, get anything first from. First off, you don't listen to Stitcher. So while that is true, it's not like these are popping up in the middle of me listening to a show. They're generally at the end of a podcast, at the end of after I've heard the podcast, everything to do with it. And before it rolls into the next thing in my queue. And those are easily skipped just by hitting X. Yes, but Stitcher maintains the rights to cut up your podcast and put ads in the middle, too. They generally don't do that, and I don't think they ever have done that, actually, but it's in their contract that they could. Same thing goes for Google. What If you go and read the terms of service, they, they and here's the other thing, too. Stitcher says that they have the rights to your audio even if you shut your show down. So, um, well, once upon a time, we had a show called Two Guys, One Podcast, a comedy show, an explicit comedy show. We decided to take that off the internet as a podcast. You can find it on YouTube still, or most of the episodes, and all the episodes will be there eventually. But we decided to take that down as a podcast. We weren't doing it anymore. We didn't want to continue it. And so that's that's done. It was over with. If you go to Stitcher, though, and I don't know that it's still there, but it could be according to their terms of service, and I would have no recourse over that. Once I submitted the show, they can put it up and keep it up as long as they want to. Same thing goes with Google. If you submit your show to the Google Play Store and then decide later that you want your show or an episode taken down, they may or may not follow through on that. Yeah, but what you just said is you don't even know if we're still on Stitcher, so you're kind of sowing you know, seeds of chaos and watering them and don't even know if they're actually growing. <laughs> fair enough, fair enough. That's me, man. I'm always sowing the seeds of chaos. <laughs> but regardless, I do think that the way Google Play is doing this and the way Android is doing this is better, at least, than the way Stitcher is doing it. I also am really happy that it's likely over time, maybe not immediately, but over time, the Google Play Store and their access to podcasts will pretty much replace Stitcher for, I think, the vast majority of Stitcher's audience. So while Stitcher is not a huge portion of our audience directly, it is a fairly large portion of the podcast audience altogether. And I would love for that to be with a different company, even if it is Google. I think Google will do better with it than than Stitcher has done. So I think it's a win-win for us. I think it's a win-win for podcast listeners. I think it's a win-win for everybody. I also think it's going to mean that I think it's entirely possible that Apple ends up putting a podcast app on Android, just as they now have a um, an Apple Music app on the Android side. You can download and use and subscribe to Apple Music through your Android phone now. I think the podcast app is coming as well. And, and I believe there'll be even more sort of competition, and I think that'll make Apple's game better as Android joins the fray. So, so I'm excited about all of that stuff. All right, and that is our review of The Verge Cast. Go to TheVerge.com or uh, come back here in just a couple of days as we have another review, f- uh, review for you. Josh, what are we reviewing next as Listener Appreciation Month continues? Does it happen to be the No Sleep podcast? Close, but no cigar. <laughs> We're going to be talking about the DBSA Romance oh, yeah. Fiction. yeah. Yeah, uh, so this is, this is a show all about romance novels and, and the authors behind them. Uh, and I got to tell you, 
I enjoyed it quite a lot more than I thought I was going to, uh, based on what that topic is. You'll hear that in uh, just a couple of days as we'll have our review up. Listener Appreciation Month continues. We've got two reviews every week for you. Uh, sorry for the delay this week, but we'll try to get them up as soon as possible and uh, continue pushing on through. Coming later this month, as Josh mentioned, we're going to be talking about the No Sleep Podcast. We're going to talk about the Thinking Atheist, as I referenced earlier in this episode. We're going to be reviewing Spontaneation with Paul F. Tompkins and the Harland Highway. That's uh, the four shows left uh, after this week is over. Can you believe we're already halfway through the month, Josh? I wish we were already through. <laughs> like, 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 I'm, like, don't get me. I love Listener Appreciation Month. This is the second year we've done it. Um, it's just as really bad timing in this year. It, it is well. It was pretty bad timing last year. I can't remember exactly what it was, but we both got into a crunch time as the month went on. This month, even worse, uh, because you're actually out of town, and so we're physically separated as well. It, it has been a little hard on us. You know what was interesting, though? I don't know if you listened to it, but I just listened to an episode the other day of Podcasters Group Therapy with Corey Finneran and Tawny Finneran and Nick Schuberling. And Corey was talking about the crunch time that they were in doing doing the Ivy Envy podcast about the Chicago yeah. Cubs during the playoffs. I want to say they did. I want to say they did twelve. Yeah, twelve episodes uh, in like two yeah. in like ten days or two weeks or something like. It was a tremendous amount of podcasting. It was very very. Um, I mean, it was very very busy for them. And he talked about what a great time it was, how much they enjoyed it, uh, all the listeners they added, the new excitement brought to the show, et cetera, et cetera. But also the tremendous amount of work and stress that it brought and how all of his co-hosts mentioned something about in the fi- in their final episode of the season of the of you know of the postseason as as the cubs were knocked out they were sad obviously because the cubbies run was over but at the same time there was a little relief about hey we can back off of this crazy schedule so what you were just talking about is actually going to segue into a conversation you and I are about to have offline which hopefully will turn into a conversation that the listeners will get to listen to online after listener appreciation. There you go. All right. Uh, You can look forward to that and more from us as we continue reviewing uh, every podcast we can come across pretty much here on Always Listening. Until the next episode, we've been your hosts. I'm Josh. I'm Joel. And we are Always Listening. Listening is a proud member of the Two Guys and a Rogue Network. You can find more great reviews and our full list of episodes by searching for Always Listening in iTunes or Stitcher, or go to blogtalkradio.com slash always listening pod. Find us on Facebook and Twitter as well, Always Listening Pod, and email the show always listening pod at gmail.com. Our theme song is Enough by Bethany Rayburn.
two guys and a rogue. I'm one guy. I'm the other. And this is The Network.